he lifts our heart. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for that, Lalpi. Um, before we start this morning, I, I want to uh, say a big thank you to, to Joy Lynn. Thank you for brightening my day today. For the last few weeks, I've been asking her uh, when the next hair color will come, and it came today. <laughs> Beautiful. The green suits you. Thank you. So uh, I think we all need to follow suit. <laughs> Those of us who have hair, Phil. Um, <laughs> Good morning. We are looking uh, at growing this year at City View. Not growing physically, but growing spiritually. We believe that God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow closer to Jesus. Grow in the likeness of Jesus. Grow as people of God. Grow to be the person inside that God has created us to be. It's a year of growth. And each week, we so far, we have tried to have a show and tell, uh, some sort of illustration to help us remember uh, the word and to emphasize the word. And so what, on the second Sunday of each month, we, we planted a bulb, didn't we, in a flower pot, and we're going to see on the second Sunday how much it grows. And every time I stand up here on Sunday and remind myself of that, I think I'm going to have to water that plant. Because <laughs> the illustration's not going to work. And then last week, uh, we measured two of our fastest growing children. And we will remeasure them each third Sunday to see how much they've grown and how much their parents have been feeding them and training them. There is a competition between the Lees and the Barons, and it's getting very competitive. <laughs> but then, on this fourth Sunday of each month, I was thinking, what should we do? So, I'm going to... Offer an opportunity for you to share something on the fourth Sunday of every month. Share something about growing. It could be you sharing a story of how you have seen growth in your life, how God has worked in your life, or in the, in the life of someone that you know. It could be sharing a struggle with us where you really want to see God grow in your life, but you, you're having trouble at the moment. Maybe you want to share that with us. Um, or it could be sharing something creative. Maybe a poem or a picture or a drama skit or a dance or a, a song which has helped you to focus on the area of growth in your life. And so we're going to start that this morning. And I've asked our resident poet laureate, Arlene, to come. Arlene, uh, on the very, very first Sunday, wrote a poem about growing, about growth. So Arlene, why don't you come and share your poem with us? Do you want to use the, you stand up on the stage there. Can you get up onto the stage? Do you need a help? Okay, there we go. Okay, when I first went through this, I had a little bit of trouble. And so I got a 
phone call because I didn't want to do it on time or streets because that's everyday life that always happens. But then I got a phone call from Guelphie and I'm like, wait a minute, I have the perfect one that I can do it on. And it's about children. So, have a listen. Grow, grow, and more growing. That's what we all do here at the Church of Cityview on the corner of 28th and Sophia. We are a small church. Yes, we are. Just sitting here on the corner. Many things happen here around the year, inside and outside. Just come by and share. Inside is awesome to watch over the years. For out goes the old and in comes the new. Best of all to me is seeing this baby. So sweet and small, both men and ladies. <laughs> the babies do come and they go from arm to arm. Then next they're down in the nursery for a turn. Just seen like yesterday. Boom. Mother in preschool. Whoa, slow down. You're growing too fast. We need to do... Ah, oh, I was too late. Now, boo-hoo, they've moved a big leg. <laughs> <laughs> One more step. We are at Cityview. We are blooming, too. Just to keep our blossoming children abroad, they get to start up another plan. Little to old, they get too young to be with the rest of us. I know some don't mind, but I watch them being bored. They don't know what to do, but then they're like the wheels on a bus. Some go to me, goes to you, let's do this. Open the doors wide, let's sing righteousness. Watch the young grow, grow, and keep growing, but not just in height or width. Let's keep bellowing with verses, songs. <laughs> Very good, thank you. <laughs> that was great. So one of the values that we have at City View is creativity. So I want to encourage you, so every fourth Sunday, uh, maybe just let me know beforehand if you want to do something, if you want to share something, uh, and that's, that's what we're going to do. Okay. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been laying the foundations for growth, seeing what's essential for us to have in order to grow. And we found that in order to grow, we need to accept four invitations from Jesus to be a disciple of Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, to follow Jesus, to attach ourselves to Jesus, and to leave behind the other things that get in the way and focus on him. Last week, we looked at putting ourselves in the right environment to grow, how we need to eat the right food, the right spiritual food to grow by reading God's word, how we need to discover the primary way in which we learn so we can concentrate on that way in order to grow more effectively, how we need to develop good hobbits. I've written hobbits. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> we need to develop good hobbits. 
Um, to get into hobbits that will <laughs> habits that will help us grow, and then how we so need each other to grow, how we need to interact with each other, to encourage one another in life groups or in twos or threes. And we were left, weren't we, with some very practical action points. And I encourage us to spend some time in Scripture. And uh, we sent out some Scripture passages uh, for you to, to look at and to interact with. So thank you for doing that for those who were able to. Okay, so we've laid the foundations, put down the base, and now we're going to build the structure. We're going to look at the actual areas of growth that you identified and said, these are the areas that I believe God is wanting me to grow in this year. And we're going to look initially over the uh, next few weeks at the so-called spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, those habits that if we commit to them and incorporate them into our daily lives will help us with the grace of God and by His Spirit grow into the person that He's created us to be. Spiritual disciplines. But I have to say, we've really got to be quick doing it today because we've got the AGM coming up fairly shortly. And I know you're really, really busy people and you've got so much going on in your life. And so we really need to get onto it now. Okay, so let's go, 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 go. Spit, spot. Come on, chop, chop. What are we waiting for? Oh. Hmm. And breathe. You see, the first spiritual discipline we're going to look at doesn't involve rushing. It doesn't involve hurrying. It doesn't involve being busy. It doesn't actually involve a lot of doing. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Let me explain. Let's read a psalm. Psalm 46. If you have your Bibles or a Bible there, turn to it and follow it along with me. Psalm 46. Six. <clears throat> God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God and the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms are falling. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, come, come and see the words, uh, the works of the Lord. 
the desolations he has brought on the earth. The, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still. Be still and know he is God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Often, we get stuck in the attitude of hurry. Life becomes just a blur of hurry, and we end up feeling overcommitted, overburdened, and overwhelmed. Many of us have been there. Some of us are there right now. When we lived in England, um, we had four young children, all under five And we had to get to church on a Sunday morning, and church was over the hill uh, into the next uh, town. And Sunday mornings was horrendous, trying to get the kids up, out, dressed, uh, fed, watered. And then we would throw them into the car, and we'd be charging across over this hill to get to church relatively on time. And, you know, we're all flustered and, and we come and sit down. And uh, on this one morning, I remember the pastor started the service by saying, some of you here need to come with their hearts more prepared to worship. <laughs> and I thought, Chaz, do you know the morning I've had? And the thought did cross my mind, albeit briefly, wondering what I would get for assaulting a man of the cloth. (laughs) I had Sam's toy fire truck by the side of me. And I did wonder whether I should hurtle it towards the pulpit. That might be you this morning. And by the way, it's not worth assaulting a man of the cloth. (laughs) And although we might not enjoy hurry, most of us just accept hurry as as a given part of life. It's just life. It's just the way it is. It's a way to get more done, to do more faster, or, or get from point A to point B a little bit quicker. It is what it is. Well, this morning, will you humor me? Let's play a game of pretend. Let's pretend that hurry isn't the way it should be. What if actually hurry is one, if not the single greatest barrier to experiencing God in our life? What if 
just for the sake of our time and our game of pretend, what if we agree that hurry, that frantic pace, that never stopping, always multitasking, always trying to do more and more, faster and faster, is the main thing that hurts our lives and our relationships and our marriages and our families and our sense of self and our sense of joy and our sense of peace. And what if, just pretend, that hurry was one of the main reasons that we never grow spiritually? Now, if that was the case, then I guess it would be good to try to do something about it. He says nervously, watching out for stray objects being thrown his way. How about we try to incorporate a habit into our lives that will combat hurry? And that's where the first spiritual discipline we're going to look at becomes so important. I would suggest that this spiritual discipline we're going to look at is the greatest antidote to hurry. This discipline will help us overcome the sense of busy and being out of control. And it's the spiritual discipline of being still. Or to give it its proper name, meditation. And what I want to do this morning is I just want to answer three questions. I just want to uh, ask, well, what is meditation? Why should we incorporate the habit of meditation into our lives? And then, how can we meditate and be still? That will be the really, really practical part of the sermon for all you action point people. So, so you can go to sleep until we get to that point. There were two things that used to put me off doing a yoga class. First was this. Seemingly impossible and back-breaking positions that no normal person could get into. And secondly, what put me off was this funny, weird meditation where you sit cross-legged in your lycra and hum in unison. Well, A... I don't look good in lycra, and B, I don't hum. What is that all about anyway? Is that what meditation is? Isn't that a bit weird? Shouldn't we as Christians run and avoid that sort of thing? Well, let's tackle that first. Let's look at what biblical meditation is. So please, will you adopt the lotus position, and we'll begin. Phil, I'd love to. I'd sell tickets for that. Let me, <laughs> let me start by saying that there are differences between Eastern religion, New Age meditation, and biblical meditation. The major difference is that New Age-type meditation encourages the emptying of our minds, whereas biblical meditation encourages us to fill our minds. 
So Eastern types of meditation advocate a detachment of self from your circumstances. To empty oneself so that you can experience a higher state of peace and being. But Christian meditation calls us to fill our minds with the holiness and greatness of God. To engage with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To experience a deep, intimate, spiritual communion with the living God. And unlike Eastern uh, meditation, which advocates an inner journey to find the center of one's being, Christian meditation calls for an outward focus, focusing on the objective revelation of God. And far from something that we should avoid at all costs, Meditation is actively encouraged in the Bible. The Bible's full of references to being still in God's presence, to be fully present with God. Psalm 119 says, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate upon your promise. Genesis 24 tells us that Isaac goes out to meditate in The field. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And in Joshua 1.8, God tells the Israelites to meditate on God's word day and night. This idea of Christian meditation is, is nowhere better stated than in Philippians 4.8, where Paul says, he, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about or meditate on such things. So what is the spiritual discipline of meditation? Well, here's some definitions. Take take whatever you want from them. Write them down and uh, if it works for you. Meditation is about experiencing the companionship of God, the embrace of God, the love and power of God. Meditation is listening to God, reflecting on God's works, rehearsing God's deeds, and ruminating on God's law. Meditation is the creation of emotional and spiritual space for God in our lives. It is a purposeful act of love, worship, and devotion. Meditation is nothing less than holy and rejuvenating rest in God. Being still and knowing God is God. Notice where the focus is all the time. It's not on ourselves, it's on God. 
I was trying to think of a, an example. It's a silly example. Silly example. Now, Linda and I have never had a disagreement in over 32 years of marriage. Uh, so this is purely hypothetical. It just doesn't happen. But let's just say that we had an argument. Just say. And uh, I was really mad at her. Okay? And instead of allowing myself to mope in a big pity party about me, you know, about um, all those things, how she's hurt me and what she's done, and it's not fair, and all this. Instead of doing that, I start thinking about Linda. And I think about why I married her in the first place. Why I love her. What a wonderful mother she is. What a great wife she is. How uh, she's so hardworking. And I focus on that. What's that going to do with my argument to Linda? See, unfortunately, it's going to cut it short, isn't it? Because then you start thinking, oh, actually, she's not that bad after all. And maybe it was my fault, which it probably was. Well, well that's, that's what she tells me anyway. But see, that's the focus. You see, I'm filling my mind with, with Linda. I'm not filling my mind with all my needs, all my, my wants. And it's the same when we meditate on God. We're, we're filling our mind with the goodness of God. But why is, is meditation so important, especially in our hurried and busy lives? Well, because it's through the discipline of meditation that we intentionally, and that's the big word, intentionally slow ourselves in order to gain true perspective. Intentionally stop all the hurry and busy in order to see that God is God. And we are not. And as Psalm 46 reminds us, all hell can be breaking uh, out around us. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake and they're surging, we will not fear. Why? Why won't we fear? Because when we still our minds in the middle of the hurry and the crazy, we know actually he's still God. Being still, meditating, immersing ourselves in God allows us to breathe. To step back. To briefly step out of the mess and know his love, his mercy, his greatness, his faithfulness. To know that ultimately he is in control and that he's good. And we have to still ourselves. Sounds great, doesn't it? Especially... Now, as we sit and we relax, there's no kids, no distractions. But how do we do that? 
how do we do that when real life hits out there? Well, here's the thing. It's not easy. I guess that's why it's not called a spiritual whatever. Or a a spiritual, you know, just take it or leave it. It's called a spiritual discipline. It needs to become a habit. We need to be intentional. And then we can meditate in three ways. Through prayer, through scripture, through creation. Prayer we're going to examine more closely probably next Sunday. So I'm going to leave that. So we're going to look at the other two. Creation first. Meditating on creation is no simple pantheism. What I mean by that is we are not called to look at a tree and worship the tree. Bow down to the great cedar. They might do that at Vancouver City. Because <laughs> you can't get rid of trees anywhere. But anyway, that's something else. Um, we meditate on a tree because it shows us something of the beauty and the majesty of the one who created the tree. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And boy, don't they? Especially where we live. Andrea, I know you did a trip up to Mount Seymour yesterday. I hope you don't mind. I nicked one of your photos. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, you've got, you're above the clouds. And the sun's shining on the peaks. Our youngest daughter, Bethany, is visiting us at the moment just for a few days. She's, she's been struggling a bit at, at college in, um, in Holland, in the Netherlands. She's been getting homesick. So we found a really cheap flight. And so we said, look, come back. Come back. And she was so pleased. She said, I've been... And we sat around dinner last night. And she said, I'm so happy uh, to be here. I've been homesick. I said, what have you missed most, Bethany? No, no, she didn't miss that. She said, Dad, the mountains. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> what about us? <laughs> she said, I miss the mountains, Dad. She said, because <laughs> there's not too many in Holland. <laughs> but When you slow down and intentionally give your attention to the created order, it will blow your mind. We had a a lunar eclipse, didn't we? That's one of the photos that was taken, not by me. (laughs) Mine is a little dot in the distance, but that was taken from Vancouver. I defy anyone to look at that, to look at creation around us, and I defy anyone to tell me that there's not a creator. 
Seriously. It just doesn't make sense. How on earth? Oh, this has just happened by accident. Seriously? Look at the beauty. And you know the great thing about God is he could have made it black and white and one-dimensional. He could have been, you know, oh, we're going a bit over budget. We've got to cut costs on this creation lark. Let's just, you know, black and white. Sorry, no color, but it'll be fine. No, he was extravagant. The colors, the textures. Think about your own bodies for crying out louder. They might be falling to bits, but how wonderful we're created. So go out there and meditate. Look at the trees. No, 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 no. Really look at the trees. Watch the little creatures that creep upon the earth. Listen to the birds and let them become messengers of God. Take a flower. And allow its amazing intricacy and beauty sink deep into your mind and heart. You know, these are really humble acts. But sometimes God reaches us profoundly in these simple ways. If only we'll quiet ourselves to see them and listen to them. Teach your kids to do that. And then this will give you perspective. Do you remember Jesus said, look at the birds in the air and the flowers in the field. Aren't they beautiful? Isn't it amazing? Isn't God going to look after you more than these? Gives you perspective on life. I seem to be talking a lot about Linda. I do apologize. Um, It was just, um, she's the one who's helped me. Uh, to appreciate the little things in life. Um, When she had uh, breast cancer the first time, going through chemo, we would come out of the cancer agency, and it was like being with a little kid. She would stop every little while and say, look at the mountains today. Aren't they beautiful? I'd say, yeah. Oh, and look at that flower down there. Isn't that a beautiful flower? Look at the texture of this flower. And I'm thinking, wow, what's that chemo done? (laughs) But it was Linda's way of getting perspective. Yeah, life wasn't great at that time. But she's saying, but look at the beauty around us. Isn't God good? It's perspective. You can do that as you meditate on creation. Okay, second way to meditate is through Scripture. And we looked a little bit at this last week, but how do you read the Bible in a way that will help us slow down, to get perspective, to immerse ourselves in and experience God's presence and fill our minds with the goodness of God? Well, I want to give you five very practical ways that you can try this, and I'm going to rush through them. 
I know it doesn't go with the sermon, but we're running out of time. First one, prepare, prepare. You cannot just flick the switch. Meditation isn't a meal on the go. I've got a two-minute window in between feeding the kids and bath time. Okay, meditation, go. It doesn't work like that. Henry Nouwen uh, says, Our minds are like a banana tree filled with monkeys constantly jumping up and down. I love that description. It's rarely still or quiet. Our minds race with thoughts like numerous chimps clamoring for attention and bananas. So we need to deliberately prepare a space to slow down. Now, for some people, having a place is important, like a certain room or a certain chair or somewhere where you will not be disturbed. I know Uh, And I confess I did this when my kids were younger. When I just needed to get away, I would lock myself in the toilet. And I would sit with my Bible in the toilet. Um, If that helps. But for me now, walking. Walking clears my mind. It centers me on God and it prepares me to hear God through the Bible. Um, it happens often when, I, when I'm trying to uh, prepare a sermon and I just get stuck. And I just think, I've got to get out. And I just walk. And I'm just totally lost. And then I come back and um, God gives me the word. Because there was block there somewhere. So walking does that for me. Uh, sometimes it helps to light a candle. Focus on a picture, maybe, or listen to a song is a good way. Some people like to smell a fragrance before they meditate or to help them meditate. And and if that's you, see Vicky. (laughs) Plug, 10%. (laughs) Some people like to stretch or maybe exercise to get ready to meditate. Okay, hear me. This is the pastor of City View saying to you, it is okay to do yoga and meditate on God. Okay? Yoga's okay. I mean, it's not for me, but (laughs) yoga's okay. You meditate on God and his word. So that's the first thing. You need to prepare. Second thing, read small amounts of scripture. Choose only one or two verses. And read them slowly. You're not reading scripture for information. You're reading it for soul renewal. So read scripture slowly the way, I don't know, that you would read a love letter. You've all received love letters, I'm sure, in the past. I used to get them and and I'd I'd pour over each word. I wonder what she meant by that. Did she mean that she really loves me? You know, like I had chicken soup for dinner. Oh, Oh, really? Chicken soup? Why chicken? Was it, is it an aphrodisiac? I don't know. But you know what I mean? You read scripture like that. Uh, It's an example that I use a, a lot, but the Lord is my shepherd. 
Say it. The Lord is my shepherd. We say it a lot. Okay, read it slowly. Concentrate on the words. The. The. There's only one. The. Lord. He's above everything. Is. Not was. Not will be. But is right now. My. He's my. Shepherd. He guides me. He looks after me. Do you see the difference? You see the difference? So just dwell, pour over the words. Third thing, use all of your senses. Now, this may seem a bit weird. How do you use all your senses? Well, enter into the text by engaging all of your senses. As you're reading something, what are the, what are the smells? What are the tastes? What are the sights? What are the sounds? What are the touch? Put yourself, if you're reading a, a story of something, put yourself in the, um, the, the place of the person in the text. Maybe you're the blind man or the lame man or, or uh, maybe you're the prodigal son. Maybe you're a member of a church that Paul is writing to. Make it real to you. Enter into the passage with all of your senses. Make it yours. Fourth thing is read scripture out loud. This will help us focus your attention and give you the advantage of both seeing the word and hearing the word. Read read it out loud. If you're waiting for a bus, read it out loud. That'll get you noticed. Five, last one. Take scripture with you. Take one verse of scripture with you throughout the day. The psalmist says that fruitful living comes to those who meditate on Scripture day and night. You see, meditation is often a slow process. Like a, you put tea in a teapot. You don't pour the tea straight away, people. You allow the tea to brew. You allow it to steep is the word that we use. It will take time, and you might have to wait a little bit, but it'll be worth it in the end. So select a verse of Scripture. Either memorize it or or view it or, or write it down on a piece of paper and read it throughout the day. Get it out every now and again. Bring it to your mind. Five very practical ways. Very practical ways in which you can meditate. Now, I know how hard it is to be still. Trust me, I know. It isn't easy. When life seems to be coming at you in all directions, when the kids are coming at you in all directions, and when your day just seems to be one huge hurry from the moment you step out of bed to the moment you get back into it. I know it's not easy being still and meditating on God. It's not easy. But can I say from my experience, it's absolutely vital. 
we cannot know God's grace and mercy and love and kindness and faithfulness without it. We cannot find true peace without it. We cannot find true rest without intentionally, habitually making that spiritual discipline a a part of our life. And it means persevering. Do it for a day or a week. And as we found out last week, it takes at least six weeks for an action to become a habit. Try it. And then come and share your experiences with us. I read Psalm 46 earlier using the NIV, the New International Version. I want to end by reading it from the TIV, Trevor's International Version. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Even though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, even though the kids are playing up and not going to bed, even though my job is stressful and demanding, even though the future seems incredibly uncertain, even though my spouse is driving me up the wall, even though my financial problems keep on mounting, even though my health is failing, even though I seem to have no time for myself, even though I'm concerned about my children, even though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, I will not fear. I will be still and know that God is God. That God is faithful. That God is good. That God is great. That God is love. That God is merciful. That God is forgiving. That God is indeed my God. Be still. Let's pray.